Welcome to Command of Your Own, a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin. And I'm your host, Jen. This week, we're discussing the season one finale of Star Trek Discovery, Will You Take My Hand? And should we give our overall impression of this episode, Caitlin? I, uh, I don't know if I have an overall impression. It, it wasn't what I was expecting. No, not at all. Not at all. That's that's my overall impression, I guess. Yes. I guess the only announcement that we have this week is that please join us next week where we're going to try and do an episode giving like an overview of our thoughts on season one, sort of looking at it more as a whole. And did you have any announcements, Kate? No, because I still haven't decided what I'm going to make you watch. Okay. Also, we should note that we're recording this like right after watching the episode because the stars aligned and we both happened to be watching it pretty much at the same time. And then thought, well, hey, why don't we just record right now? So. All right. Jen, what are you drinking? <laughs> I am drinking white wine. Uh, BC Kindle brewery i believe sauvignon blanc i don't know the year but it is an inexpensive wine that is available in grocery stores okay (laughs) what are you drinking kate well first of all we're gonna take a step back (laughs) on that sentence you just spoke and we're gonna say that wine does not generally come from a brewery (laughs) it comes from a winery (laughs) And most people say Sauvignon Blanc. Yes. (laughs) Okay. But I come from a wine snob family, so I apologize if that was super snobby. No, no. That is mostly because I had very little sleep and a long day, and this is not my first glass of wine. Gotcha. I am drinking also uh, a local uh, brand, um, Lone Tree uh, cider. They're, oh, yeah. They're Ginger Snyder. Snyder. <laughs> this is not a Buffy podcast. They're, uh, yeah, they're Ginger Cider. That is very delicious. Um, if you drink a lot, not that I've ever drank a lot at a time. Mm-hmm. No. But if you do, it can make your throat hurt a little bit. Okay. I haven't tried their Ginger Cider. It's good. It's just a little abrasive. Mm. It sounds delicious. Yes. All right, so shall we just dive right into the episode? Yes, let's do that. I'm just going to say that it pretty much opens with them talking a lot about cannibalism, which just, I I think that might be the overarching theme of this season. (laughs) The theme of the season is cannibalism? Well, it keeps coming back. Like, she's teasing Saru about eating Kelpians, and then Laurel is talking to Giorgio about eating her, and... Then later on, there's the talk... Oh, no, wait, that was the same thing about being tough. Uh, there's, there was just a lot of cannibalism. Like, m- much more than I was expecting in this season of Star Trek. You know? Like, I just I was expecting zero cannibalism, and I got, like, 300% more than that. Yes. And I think that this is really the first time in Star Trek's history that they have broached the issue of cannibalism. So... I could see where it would be unexpected. So it wasn't crazy that I was expecting 
Zero. Correct. Correct. Um, I think that with all of the eating of various species, they were really trying to show what's considered the, um, like the utmost depravity of a civilization because they wanted to make a point about what Starfleet is and how they take the high road. And hmm, I have some thoughts about that. I like that they went with cannibalism for that and not like rape, like other series is, 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 have done. That is a good point. And I have to say there was a, well, they have discussed rape a little bit. That's true, but not graphically like some very big name fantasy series that admittedly I do enjoy. Um, yes, yes, I'm sure everybody can kind of know what we're talking about. And I did have one moment of like just fear this episode when Tilly passed out. Yes, yeah, so I was I. like, well, no, no, don't go there. Don't go there. Please, please, not Tilly. Yes. <laughs> but I think that's just very much, uh, uh, you know, uh, this century's woman's reaction to what that scenario would entail. Yeah, if I woke up passed out in a club, I would just <laughs> assume, like, I would just go straight to a hospital. Yeah, pretty much. And be like, maybe. Like, even if I didn't... Anyways, and that's that's terrible and sad, and let's not talk about yes. that. How yes. about... I did feel as though Tilly were, again, portrayed as the very naive and socially uncouth person, which just... Which is... I was going to say, which just makes me think that the time loop episode was written out of character. Yeah. I I prefer Tilly this way. Mm-hmm. Yes. And one of the producers or executive producers, well, directed this episode. I don't know if he wrote it. So I would hazard to say that this is the more accurate Tilly. Yes, and the writing credits on this are... Uh, the director, Akiva Goldman, and um, the other ones are Gretchen J. Berg, who's the other producer, and Aaron Harberts, who has been one of the main... He's probably an executive producer in there somewhere because they have all the producers, uh, but they were the three main story credits as well. So yeah, and did you notice as well that... It opened much the same way as the whole season opened in episode one with Klingon. No, I didn't. The previously on was Laurel narrating it. Did I get a previously on? Oh, maybe you didn't get it in your episode. In the episode that I had, I can't remember right now if it was her speaking Klingon or if it was just her voice with a Klingon accident, accent saying you know, previously on Star Trek Discovery. But yeah, it was like, whoa, that was Klingon. And of course, I watched with subtitles on, so that's why I can't remember, is my brain was just reading it anyways. Yeah. I I honestly have no memory of a, of a previously on. Okay. Um, I was just trying to figure out if they had released a date for season two, which sometimes they do with a season finale. But the best I can find is just early 2019. Right. Early 2019. Okay. 
That one, was that uh, from the studio? Because the only date I've seen has been speculation based on most streaming episodes' timelines. So I definitely just closed the window. Okay. Don't worry about it. It was an interview with some with one of the executive producers. Okay. I think. Um, so where were we? Uh, Klingon. Yes, opens in Klingon. As far as I remembered, uh, like after the previously on, it opened with Michael's voiceover. Yeah, yeah. It went to Michael's voiceover, but I just thought it was a, a really interesting choice to have the previously on part introduced in Klingon. And I think it works. I liked that because that's how the show opened and this is how the show closes. And having Lorel's voice was nice. And it also reflects the current state of the universe in that the prime power is shaking out to be the Klingons and not Starfleet. Mm-hmm. So I kind of liked all that. And I liked a lot of the special effects and the zooming and should we get into the voiceover and speech bit next? Sure. I like I liked the voice. Well, you know, I actually didn't care for the voiceover until we got to the end where we saw where it was coming from and we saw the the end of her speech. Then I really liked it. Okay. I I'm going to save my thoughts on that one when we get to the end. Cuz I think I had like the inverse reaction to you. Oh, you liked it and then you hated yeah. it. I have a love hate. I mean, feeling going with this whole episode there were some parts okay. that i really like and but there's a whole lot of parts that are just like driving me insane i you know what just now that we're talking about it the thing that i disliked most about this episode is that it just didn't feel like it fit with the rest of the season especially with the second half yes like it just felt like it was from a completely different season absolutely I don't know if they were trying to give us a little hint about what season two will feel more like, or if they were trying to do a nod to what other Star Trek series have felt more like, but it didn't feel like it fit. And after all of the, uh, you know, big deal reveals and twists and turns that have been leading up to this, it felt downright anticlimactic. Yeah. And even the episode itself, I think the... Well, we'll get to the end when we'll get to the end. See, I swear I saw a preview for this episode that A, said it was going to be two hours, and B, had... Like, I remember in the preview seeing Tyler disintegrate and being like, oh, that'll be interesting to see how they deal with that. Really? Yeah. I did not... I didn't see any previews, but I remember reading on the unofficial fan page on Facebook that they were going to do a double. And yeah, I hadn't heard anything about Tyler. I'm going to see if I could. I hadn't even been searching for it. It literally just came up on my uh, Twitter feed, uh, on my personal Twitter feed, not even the, hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I can't find it. But I swear that happened. Are you sure it wasn't the old thing of Tyler in space and then being beamed out at the last minute? No, it was, he was lying down on a spaceship floor and he was, there was like gold light as he disintegrated away. Oh. Much like the fortune cookies. Hmm. Interesting. So, I don't know. Hmm. Maybe they did some reshoots? 
it felt that way. Like, it wasn't even the normal episode length, because I think the normal episode length was around 48 minutes. Is that right? And this, I have absolutely no idea. This one was like 44 minutes. Weird. What they might have done, because they did finish all their filming, um, like, uh, all at mm-hmm. once. So they may have changed some things once they were approved for a season two. That could be. They could have sort of had multiple shoots in mind, depending on whether they had to wrap it up or leave it open to keep going. Yeah. So I liked the banter at the beginning. The cannibalism? Well, just in general, the that Saru was not going to be cowed by her. He didn't have any sort of um, fear response to her. And then Burnham stepped in for him. And I liked that they were a united front on it. Yeah. I didn't like that the Giorgio that is there doesn't seem to care. Like, she almost seemed incredibly careless about her identity. Like, she was not really trying that hard to play the part. Right, but that was on the ship where people had been to the alternate universe... And would very easily be able to figure it out. I don't think, like, what are they going to do? Tell people she's an evil empire from an alternate universe? Nobody's going to believe them. No, but it could provoke a mutiny. Like, if they realize she's not a real Federation captain, there would be no need to follow her orders. Sure, I didn't, I didn't get the feeling that she was expecting to stay captain for long. I thought she was going to go her own way, no matter what. Well, that's true. Mm-hmm. She knew this was a limited time engagement. Yeah, so as long as they had a chance to blow up the Klingon world, what did she really care? Mm-hmm. So the next bit of the episode was where they're trying to get information about the planetary geology of Vulcan. And this is really where my main problems started. Because first I was like, didn't they have this figured out? Didn't they have the idea to like just warp inside the planet based on the data that they had and then map it and then know where to do everything? Like, Yeah, and then they warp inside the planet, but then they don't, like, they never use it. Like, Well, the drone wasn't a drone, right? Like, that was supposed to be the big reveal. Mm-hmm. But then I was also like, when they were even trying to get information from Tyler and Laurel, I was like... Why would they be well-versed in the geology of the Klingon homeworld? <laughs> you know, like, I was like, let's interrogate some of Earth's politicians about main geological features on Earth and see how well they do. I was just like, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> Why would they expect these people to magically have this esoteric intelligence that they need? I mean, maybe some countries... To the south of us, their politicians wouldn't be able to answer those questions. I don't think ours would do too bad. I can cut that out if you want me to. (laughs) No. Well, Canada does have the benefit of having a prime minister who was at least a teacher before Mm -hmm. doing this, but he was a drama teacher, so I'm not sure how well he would know Earth's geology either. I honestly don't think he'd do too bad. And not because I'm like a 
Justin Trudeau fangirl. I'm really not. He's done some shit. Mm. Or, as a point of fact, he has not done some shit. Um, (laughs) I just, I do think he's, he's like, he's well-educated. Well, that's a fair point. But still, I was like, with the scene in the brig, I was, and then they went to Tyler afterwards. And I was like, why wouldn't you start with the compliant, wanting to please you, person with the intel first like why would they have gone to Laurel first before him well that i think was 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 the emperor she i i can see where she would think um like i can get information through force more than she would think i can get information from asking a friend okay i could see that so i could possibly let that one go but still i just was questioning why they would assume that those particular Klingons would have the information they needed. Yeah, and I get... I mean, they, they might have a shot at having the information that they needed, but if this is what your plan is hinging on, that's... And it is definitely strange that they came up with this whole plan that didn't need external Klingon information, but then suddenly did. Mm-hmm. And I can see where maybe uh, Georgiou's... A secret plan or whatever did need the extra information, but Michael would have questioned that. Right. Although maybe Michael was just so off balance with Giorgio being put as captain by Cornwell. Maybe. I really do like the di- the dynamic between the two of them. Between Giorgio and Burnham? Specifically between evil Giorgio and Burnham. Because you can see that they both feel some loyalty to each other. And, and this is true of Giorgio, too. We see that at the mm-hmm. end. But they're also very aware that they're not they're not the same people that they knew. Right. Yeah. And just the actresses on screen together, I think, has always mm-hmm. been really gratifying to watch the performances. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. In terms of, in terms of performances and acting this episode... I really liked everything. Yes. And that's why I'm glad that Georgiou, like, walks away at the end. Because it's like, okay, well, she could be back later. Yes, I like that, too. And I like that we didn't have to see her die twice. True. Though, I think that... Well, we'll talk about the end when we get to the end. Um, What did you think about Tyler's whole uh, boating, tying knots, finding himself? I mean, a bowline is nothing to write home about. He does say it was the first thing he learned that made himself me. Like, he, like that formed his identity. I've literally tied one with my eyes closed. Yes, but, like, if it's, like, the thing that you learn as a small child that makes you realize that this is your passion. Like, think about the first important book you read. I have absolutely no idea what that would even be. Really? Don't you have? Like, I don't. I don't have a clear memory of the first, the like the book that awoken me, my love of reading. Really? Yep. No don't idea. you have early I've reading been... memories? Sure, of a lot of different books. Okay. Okay. I don't know which one was the first one. Maybe Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Okay. Mm. I'm sure, I read something before that though, because that was like grade f- three or four. Well, that's fair. But, like, with these core parts of our identity, we all have an early memory where we realized that, like, yes, this is me. 
And so, like, that part I liked. I could see where he was trying to, like, reaffirm his identity. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of hoping for more bits of exploration in that vein later on in the show. But then he's leaving with Laurel. Well, they didn't go into it too much, but in a way, he kind of also explored that with his Klingon side. Because he remembers just as much of his Klingon side, I feel. That's hard to say, because it, it is implied that he remembers just as much, <clears throat> but he doesn't have the personality. Yeah, and he says it's like looking through someone's eyes. Yeah. So. So, yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And you raise a good point, because when they're on the planet, mm-hmm. they he does, like, recognize all these Klingon things, and he remembers that he was really good at gambling and goes through all the numbers things. And so the parts with him and Burnham, I really enjoyed. But it never felt like that was primarily being explored. Mm-hmm. Like, it didn't feel like that was the focus. It didn't even feel like the B-plot. It didn't feel like there was any tension about his decision. Like, had they brought it in earlier in the storyline, where he was going to have to have a choice about whether to stay or go. Then, when he has that speech at the end with Burnham, it would have had so much more impact. Like, everything in the story, if they would have set it up at the beginning, that part of what's, like, is going on here is that Tyler's going to have to choose where his loyalty lies. Do you think... Starfleet would let him walk away. That was another thing I had an issue with. Here's this person with all of this Starfleet intelligence that we currently have in our custody, and yeah, he's just gonna walk away and beam out. Like, he had restricted privileges on Discovery. What happened to his Lojack? Did they just be like, oh yeah, we're we're beaming down to the planet, I'll just take that off. Well, Giorgio might have. I don't have a problem with that, per se. But... But just letting him go yeah just letting him go and like he has all this Klingon information he had this experimental procedure done to him and like Tilly said in the last episode they were probably going to study him in the lab he never even faced a, a tribunal yeah like there was there was no there was nothing he just left with Laurel. that's right and I don't think uh, I don't think the Federation would be okay with that no I know I don't I, I guess I can kind of see where maybe Burn, uh, Burnham was like, yes, go, that'll keep you from all this crap that the Federation's gonna do, but... True, and it, that could have also been, like, something that they at least mentioned in passing, was, like, him telling her, like, by the way, I'm not gonna be at the beamback site because I'm gonna go with Laurel, and... Like, hey, I don't want to be an experiment. Yeah, I've I've had enough of that. And her at least acknowledging that and being like, yeah, you deserve your freedom because I do still have feelings, like I have fondness for you, feelings for you, whatever you want to call it. And so I'm going to let you have that like post-war dream. Like this, you can't have your post-war dream, but if this is your choice, I am not going to keep you from your freedom. Mm -hmm. They could have at least acknowledged it. And I get where maybe all of that was in the subtext, but maybe they can put it out a little bit there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. Into the text. For sure. Um, 
have to say I did love their whole away team outfits. Yes, they were all very badass. Yes, and I loved the setting that it was I I didn't quite catch what it was. I knew it was Orion, but it was on Quonos and whatever. I'll go back and rewatch it and figure it out. Did you see my tweet at the beginning because I was kind of tweeting as I watched. Did you see my confession? Yes. <laughs> you thought it was Kronos like his <laughs> And I just thought I have, now looking back, I should have known better, but I thought you were just saying it weirdly. Because <laughs> everybody other than you, like when they say it on the show, it sounds like Kronos. True. True. And I, I, I do watch with I subtitles, even... so I know how they spell it when they say it, but you don't do that. No, I don't. I even at one point remember thinking to myself, and I obviously didn't bring this up, remember thinking, like, why would the Klingon's planet be named after, like, the Greek or Roman, whatever, god of time? Like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> That's, like, a genuine thought that I had, but didn't didn't follow through on it. Well, I'm glad that you didn't then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, there are a few things that I didn't like about the away mission. Mm-hmm. Well... I was going to say them splitting up, but you knew they were going to split up anyways. And Giorgio kind of ordered them to do that. Mm-hmm. And I I liked that Tyler went and was able to navigate better because he had Klingon memories, so he knew about the cultural things around them. I didn't really like that humans would just be able to be men and be so unquestioned by everyone as they walk around. Like the, you're on a planet whose people are at war with you. That did seem odd. <sighs> yeah. And then I was, they made it Orion, which you wouldn't realize this, but like the Orions are well known in Star Trek for having um all sorts of like unethical trading, slavery. Um you probably are familiar with like the green skinned woman alien dancing with Kirk sexiness. And so I was like, okay, well here comes all of like the sexiness that we're to expect. And then I also didn't I was okay with the sexiness. Like I do not have a problem with sexiness in general. Evil bisexual Giorgio is okay with me. The problem I have is that Star Trek consistently relegates kinky sex to the mirror universe. Mm. Consistently. And kinky sex is not synonymous with evil, amoral people. And That's fair. This is, yes, this is the problem yep. I have with, with Star Trek's portrayal of it. <laughs> Is that it's like, good upstanding people don't have threesomes. And it's like, no, 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 no. Okay, that's a fair point. Um, to be fair, I've never seen that perspective uh, on Star Trek. I didn't think you would have. But like, literally, as the scene was unfolding, I was like, I thought we had gotten through a Star Trek mirror episode without references to kinky sex. But no, they got it in. They managed to slip it in here at the at the finish line. Way to go, Star the way, Trek. The, um, okay. You have a 100% valid point here. Um, the way that I, as somebody who hasn't seen any of the other stuff, mm-hmm. uh, sort of thought of it 
is that Prime Universe Sergio was like possibly I'm gonna say probably into the exact same thing, but wouldn't be quite so public about it. You know, wouldn't necessarily pay for it. That's fair. That was the way I personally interpreted that. And they placed it in an Orion setting. And the Orions are known for this sort of thing. Slavery, sex trafficking, like it comes up consistently in Star Trek. Hmm. So that maybe made it a little bit better. Okay. That like, at least she didn't like instigate something on the ship and like order two crew members to her cabin or something. Cause that would have been all kinds of awful. Um, so like, just to be extremely clear, it's not the sexiness that I have a problem with. And if prime and Taryn Giorgio both are into that, that's fine. But future star Trek in the prime universe does seem to be very sanitized. Yeah. And they just like are like, oh, well, when we want to show stuff like that, it'll just be like from the mirror universe. <laughs> and we'll let all those evil people have all these, you know, urges and fascinations and yeah. Possibly previously, um, that may have been a thing with censors. Like maybe like the evil people could be into this kinky stuff, but. You know, like, because at least back in the 60s, this may have been a problem. That could have been. But current day Star Trek can make choices no, he, about yeah, what abs they... Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I was just saying. Yeah, yeah. And either way, even if it was a thing with the censors, they could just leave it out and then it wouldn't be a problem. Yeah, yeah. Um. So that was my big rant about that part. Hmm. I did like I, I I liked Michelle Yeoh in a leather corset. I'm just gonna go out and say that it was it was pretty great. Oh yeah, I have no problems with that. Yeah, she she looked she looked amazing. I also like the idea. Um, I meant to look this up beforehand, but I am pretty sure Michelle Yeoh is in her fifties, and I like that she can still be seen as a sexy person. Yes, in a Hollywood way, and I like that Discovery has acknowledged the sexiness of the older women cast members because both mm -hmm. like the two okay so i'm trying to quickly do a count of the like sex or sex implied scenes that we've had and it's been three yeah and it's been two out of three have been the older women cast members because it was michelle yale so admiral cornwell and then burnham and tyler and i guess we got flashbacks of laurel as well one moment. Okay. Michelle Yeoh is 55. But yeah, she's 55. She looks fabulous. She is totally sexy. And like I said, if it were not for Star Trek's history with this, I would have been totally 100% down with that. And the other thing that I liked about this, that previous iterations of Star Trek haven't been as good on is that like when they are walking through the uh, adult bar, there are both like men and women there. Like it wasn't a hundred percent male gaze. Mm -hmm. She caught the eye of a very attractive male Orion, and then invited his friend along. 
So I liked that it was more egalitarian in that way, because previous iterations of Star Trek, when it's been like sexy Orion person, I'm pretty sure it's been 100% female. Sorry, she's either 56 or she will be 56. I forgot that it was 2018 now. Okay. Just. It's fine. Um, the other thing I liked about what they did with the Orions mm-hmm. is that they were less green. Yeah, it wasn't like in-your-face fluorescent. Yes. It didn't look like there had been like a heavy green makeup applied all over their bodies. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't know if that was just better makeup or if they were doing that digitally. I couldn't tell. Could be a bit of both. You never know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it was just a generally more attractive um, special Green. effects. Yeah. It it also looked... It didn't look... Words. It looked like it could be someone's skin, like the color. Yes. Not just the texture or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then after that, like I said, is the scene with Tilly doing drugs. And all of my alarms were going out. I was furiously gesturing at the screen. So I'm like, no, no, Tilly, why are you going over to the drug people? No, bad idea. Yeah. Yeah, why didn't she just leave? I know. But she did wake up in time. And she did get, like, the key piece of information for their... I'm kind of curious what would have happened if the dude had opened the case and seen the bomb. If there would have been, like, massive panic, or if he would have just been, like, this is a... Or if he just would have been, like, yoink, you know? Yeah. Because that kind of solves the problem, too. (laughs) I mean, it creates a different problem, but they're certainly not going to blow up the planet after that. Well, except that there's more bombs like it on Star Trek, uh, like on on Discovery. And so they could have just replaced the bomb. I guess. But not very clandestinely. Possibly, yeah. Uh, The actor who was in that scene with her, who is Mm -hmm. described, I believe, as, like, uh, creepy Orion man. Okay. (laughs) I thought for the longest time that he was actually from a Star Trek Deep Space Nine episode, and I had to look him up. But he just looks an awful lot like the other actor. He was not actually on the other episode. But then in my dis- in my searching for it, I came across the IMDb listing where he is listed uncredited as Creepy Orion Man. He did actually look familiar to me, too. Yeah. So maybe he's been in some... What has he thing? been in? Let's see. Falling Water, Murdoch Mysteries, Elias Grace, American Gods. So a lot of that sounds like Canadian stuff, so maybe I just recognize him from, like, around. Uh... Yeah, I'm trying to look at his... I mean, he's got a fairly long list, but I don't know of what here you would have seen, because none of this looks very familiar to me. Hmm. He was on Rain. A lot of the um, production and guest stars from Discovery have also been on Rain, because uh, I think they... Also uh, film in Toronto? Yes. Thank you. Finishing my sentence. <laughs> that happens here with... Well, some of these shows have ended now, I guess, but, you know, with, like, um, Once Upon a Time and Supernatural and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The 100 and all the CW shows. Yep. Okay, so once they get the crucial bit of information, 
or like when they figure out what the actual plot was, mm-hmm. how did you react to that? Like, like the bomb? Yeah. I, I don't really see how it was any different from what they were planning on doing. Well, they were planning on a precision military strike on key targets. This would just be everyone dies, pretty much. Like Burnham said, it's basically genocide. Honestly, I thought that's what the plan was. Okay. So, the whole time she was talking to Cornwall about having the moral high ground, I thought, oh, this will make Jen happy. Yes. And those bits did make me happy, but I felt like the reveal was anticlimactic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Burnham's solution, I feel like, was a huge gamble. I kind of do also, except for two things. Okay. Being Lorel having a kind of relationship with Cornwall. Mm-hmm. Cornwell, whatever her name is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I assume that, like, in a scene we didn't see, maybe Cornwell talked to her. And also, um, Tyler going with Lorel and saying that he is the torchbearer and he chooses her. You know? I thought that was kind of playing back into the beginning and everything. Well, I don't think Tyler going with Laurel would help at all with the idea that sending Laurel back to the Klingons would end the war. Like, yes, I feel like Laurel was convinced. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like she was on that side. But still, sending a single person to convince all of the 24 houses of the Klingons to not start attacking the home planets of the Federation, I felt like was an incredibly huge gamble. Well, I think Lorel is ruthless enough to be like, all right, you're not going to listen to me. I'm going to blow you all up. Bye. Or I'm going to blow up the world. I'm not saying the name. Um, because we've, we have seen her be smart and ruthless, and she could just be like, you follow me now, bitches. Yeah, but then there's still, like, a Klingon fleet of warships out there. Like, there's just so many variables about how this oh, falls out. Oh, I see what you're out. saying. Like, her ending the war. Yes. Now that she's in charge. Yes, yeah. that's just how it they was did, played out. And then, like, they, Tyler going with her doesn't help end the war, because why would the rest of the Klingons listen when... She's got, like, a human dude as her number one lieutenant guy, right? Like, why would that help them? Well, I don't think he came into the meeting. They're not asshole idiots. But, like, I can... Okay, no. I do 100% think that if Lorel wanted to end the war, she could. Why Lorel would want to end the war, that I don't know. Yes. Thank you. Uh, I thought that even her... Like, I'd want to go back and rewatch this the speech in the caves a few times. This is where I think the show could have used more time. Mm-hmm. Is like if we'd seen Laurel doing more work, if we'd seen more tension rising, if we'd seen her talking to more individual people instead of just Klingons in a cave making Klingon noise, or even like previous to that. 
um, on Discovery, her becoming, or I, I know her getting to know some of the people and maybe thinking that, that, you know, not even getting to know, but like, I will say Lorel and, and Valk sacrificed a lot for this war. Mm-hmm. And it got them nowhere. So I can see where with some like self-examination and some talking to people, she could have gotten to this conclusion about wanting to end the war, but they showed none of that. Yes. Great point. I hadn't even considered that. There could have been an entire like journey, but no, she gets her ass kicked by a Federation captain. And then the next thing mm-hmm. she's being told about is that now we're going to give you control of this bomb that's inside your planet. <laughs> so that you can negotiate the war to end and the unity of the Klingon people. And she's just going to go along with that? And it's just going to play out that way? The Klingons will just fall into line and literally, because they were having the nice, like, zoom in onto Earth and such. Yeah. Really trying to make it feel like... Like they were right there. Yes. I mean, I get that her being like, I'm going to blow up that planet... Sure. Or or unless you all follow me and do as I say, I can see where they would respect that move. Yes. But again, so like I 100% believe her taking total control. Mm-hmm. But I, especially since we've seen her before be smart and cunning and all those good things in a leader of a big warmongering race. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I don't see why she would call them off. And I don't see why any of the other leaders of the Klingon house would necessarily listen. Like, we're about to take an entire quadrant of space. You're going to blow up one planet. If they don't listen, she blows up Kronos. Yeah, but that's one planet. Yeah, but maybe their families are there. Maybe their children are there. Mm, They don't show us any of the other Klingon leaders. Like, they had Cole. Cole died. They had Vok. There's Vokler, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Takuvma died. There's been Lorel. If they had had other faces for the Klingon houses, even just like you don't have to give them that much screen time, but actual people for Lorel to dominate, that would have gone over so much better for me. Hmm. Like, maybe take out 90% of the graphic flashbacks from Tyler. <laughs> and let other Klingons... To be fair, that's, that's not much time. Well, I'm sure there was a few other scenes they could have cut and rearranged. And I mean, that in particular is mostly in episodes where it wouldn't work. But, I no, I hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Did you buy that Emperor... To, okay, to move on, mm-hmm. did you buy into the fact that Giorgio wouldn't kill this Burnham? Yes, I did. Okay. I I actually really liked that. I I, I liked that it gave them both like a, a parallel that that Michael knew that Giorgio was evil but couldn't let her die and Giorgio knew that Giorgio knew that Michael wasn't her Michael, wasn't the Michael that she raised. Mm-hmm wasn't her daughter but she couldn't kill her Hmm. i mean i I think that's a difference that's kind of glanced over a bit because the Giorgio in this episode in this episode in this universe Mm -hmm. 
you know, was fond of Michael. But in the other universe, she raised her. She adopted her. Right. You know, that right. Michael was her actual daughter. That's a good point. So I think that would make it... Well, yeah, so I buy that. Absolutely. Okay. Did, did you not? It wasn't a huge sticking point for me, but I also... After they painted the ruthlessness of the mirror universe and the emperor in particular. But you remember, she was an emperor that was on the way out. She'd had, like, this was the, her whole problem. Her family had betrayed her. And she had been in a position for family to betray her. You know, mm. I, I don't think Gabriel would ever put himself in a, like, if he had become the new emperor, he wouldn't put himself in a position where he would care about family. So you think she had some vulnerability there that was explore yeah. exploited? Okay, okay, I could I could see that. Right. Mm -hmm. We talked a little bit about the end Tyler Burnham speech where he says he's going. Yeah. Again, I think it was weird, but but I like that he's not going to be around, but there's still potential for him to come back. Same with Laurel. Yeah. I I liked that they had him leaving the Discovery crew. Without it being him dying. Mm -hmm. But I thought in general they could have had them talk about different things. And she specifically says that now she sees him in his eyes. And that's an awful fast turnaround. Because yeah. she was like, I, I look at you and I see Vok and the man who wanted to kill me. And now it's like, no, now I look at you and I see you. I do feel like that was true of the whole episode. Like... It wasn't jarring for me in that scene. It was jarring for me earlier when suddenly they could have conversations. Right. You know? So by that point, with the tone the episode had taken with their relationship, it didn't bother me. But at the beginning, when they were just casually talking to each other, and she was, you know, asking him things, and th that I found jarring. When did he... Cause was he in it? And on it from the very beginning that Giorgio was from the Mirror Universe? Yeah, because they okay. come to talk to him. He must. He must have been. Okay. Because I feel like if they would have made that explicit, it would have made, like, forced her confidence in him. Because there are only so many people on the ship who know about what's going on and can try and figure out what Starfleet and Giorgio are planning. You know, I will say, in all of Tyler's career this season, mm -hmm. I think him going on this away mission made the most sense. Yes. <laughs> because A, we have a captain who doesn't care. And B, he can speak Klingon and knows Klingon society and we all know that now. Yes. Yes, absolutely. He was the 100% right person to send on this away mission. And then why did Giorgio pick Tilly? Like, that part confused me about, unless it was just, like, she wanted to spend time with this universe's version of Captain Killy. Well, I guess she assumed there'd be something of that ruthlessness in this, Tilly. But at the end, she also says that, like, she's nothing like the prime, you know, Georgiou, and she was just, like, using that as an angle to her advantage. I don't so, know. Maybe, uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. I can see where maybe... Like, she knows both Michaels, and she sees similarities. Right. So even though the, like, the awkwardness and the naivety that, that Tilly has is most definitely there on the surface, 
I mean, Tilly does have a determination mm-hmm. and and a strong code, I guess. That like like I, th- I don't think I can see where Tilly has her. Well, obviously Tilly has. I love Tilly, so she mm-hmm. has her good points, obviously. But okay, here's my head cannon. Okay, so Tilly was playing Captain Killy at the beginning when the Emperor stepped in. Like, she was playing that role a bit in the Mirror Universe. Yeah. So maybe the Emperor was impressed by her ability to go undercover. Okay, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. And she commented on Tilly's hair being awful as it's curly. I've just say, um, my hair is very straight right now because I haven't washed it since I got it. You got your hair colored. Dyed. Yeah. Yeah, dyed and colored again. Um, and literally, I was thinking about recommending today straight hair because <laughs> it's so much better. <gasps> but then when she s- told her her curls were disgusting, I was like, well, fuck you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I love Tilly's curly hair. And then, yeah, but you don't you don't have to deal with it. I know. It. I was just gonna say, like, I don't I don't have to take care of curly hair myself because I have very straight, fine hair. Um, so I I know all the problems that that entails. But um, but yeah, I've literally just been running my fingers through <laughs> my hair for like whatever whatever it's been four days now, and there have been no knots, and it's been. It's been glorious, Jen. Really? I'm happy God, for you. I wish I had straight hair. See, my straight hair is not the unnaughty straight hair. My straight hair is very fine and very prone to getting tangles and snarls in it with just the slightest bit of friction. Enough about hair, maybe. I, yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Let's move on. <laughs> that was a big tangent. I'm sorry. I'm... Probably just going to leave it in, too, because... <laughs> Anyways. Um, Moving on. You know what? Let's just take a big jump here. You know what? No, let's take a slightly smaller jump than I was planning. I guess they just lied to us about Culber. Oh, my God. Yes. I guess they just straight up lied about it not being bearing their gaze. Yeah. And I think that's worse. Yeah. Star Trek has done this to me in the past. Lied to me about what they're doing. And I keep coming back. Well, that's your own fault. I know, I know. <laughs> um, I think that's bullshit then that they said, oh, it's not bare your gaze. Don't worry. There'll be more. He'll be back. But he's definitely dead. They didn't time travel him back. No, they posthumously gave him a Medal of Honor, which I liked that they included him and didn't just, you know, delete him. Yeah, I liked that too. Um, but that's that's total bullshit. Yes. I'm really, really pissed off about this. And this brings us to the end scene where we find out that Burnham is giving a speech at a metal presentation ceremony. And if anybody has any like military background or diplomatic background into these sort of things. I have questions like, do they typically let someone like that give a speech? Jen, Jen, it's a TV show. I know, I know, but 
Like, yes, and obviously, in a real world situation. Why is the audience and she's just facing a few people? Like, in a real world situation, obviously, Saru would have been giving the thank you speech. <laughs> he may but, have declined and had her do and, and I can accept that. But like I was I was wondering the whole episode like cuz a lot of her speech was good. Okay? So like the actual words and message of her speech. Yes. I loved that. But then and like even in the context of a medal acceptance speech was fine. I disliked how they edited her like yes, we are this, no, we are this, in with the medals at the end, that bit felt overly schmalty for me. Um, I was fine with it. But just the logistics of why is she giving a speech at a medal ceremony? Okay, like, you want to know my, my biggest problem with that scene? What's your biggest problem with that scene? It's going to sound ridiculous. No, no. Bring it on. Uh, she smiled at the end, and I don't think we've ever seen Michael smile and it was weird. <laughs> that whole part felt uh, like like they were trying too hard. Like the cutting back and forth to the medal awards and her speech bits. It just felt like over the top for me. And then it made me notice all these things like, why is her back to most of the people <laughs> that are at this thing. Like, shouldn't she be standing facing the people that she's talking to? And why is Michael giving the speech? Like, this could have been where the audience found out that she was reinstated. And Mm. also, like, I have issues with their decision to just, like, expunge her record, give her a pardon, and her commission back. Like, it feels like the Federation just has, like, is ruled by whimsy. Like, I was fine with it. It didn't bother me. I would be fine with her getting a pardon. Okay. But not necessarily just like, here's your commission back. That And I was fine with that, too, because she did a lot for the war. They wouldn't have won without her. Yeah, but it just seems like we've made this really final and serious decision that's going to impact the person's entire trajectory of their life. And now I we're mean, taking that, that, that back. That was bullshit anyways. It was that, bullshit. That call was bullshit anyways. It was bullshit anyways. But if you're going to have bullshit, be consistent with your bullshit and don't just like okay. waffle back and forth on it. Generally speaking, I'm happy to split these hairs with yes. you. But I think we just have to be like, hey, it's a TV show and she's the main character. We're going to disagree on this and move on. (laughs) Because there's no other answer. Yes. Um, The other main issue I had with, like, Sarek, who is, like, a diplomat. He's an ambassador in the future. And an admiral of Starfleet. And the best conclusion they could think of for the war was blowing up a planet and they were amazed that Michael found a different solution. That also kind of pissed me off. Again, that didn't bother me because we haven't seen them for nine months and we don't know the shit that they've been through and the shit that they've already tried. Okay, but what what 
I would have preferred would have been something more like um, Giorgio not acting out of, you know, that plan, but going rogue and doing her own thing. And then Michael and Saru and everybody else having to stop her and that being the heroic act so that the core of the Federation and Starfleet isn't ethically compromised. But why would Georgia do that? Um, like, the reason she was doing what she was doing is because they said, do this and you can have your freedom here. I know, but they could have made it another negotiation point for her freedom. But why would she go rogue? Why would she try to, to escape blow up the planet? To get back home. To, like, right, like right. write no. it. I don't care what the reason is. Okay. <laughs> but if you're going to have... Her going an- rogue to escape, I get. Her going rogue to blow up the planet, thus instigating everything else. That doesn't make any sense. Okay. If you're going to have a main character in the first season of your show end up being the moral scapegoat because he's from the Mirror Universe... Then you undo it the next episode by having the Admiralty of the Prime Universe make just as ethically compromised decisions as he made. That's my problem. Wait, is who made? Okay, you have Lorca all Mm -hmm. through season one making Mm -hmm. all of these ethically questionable decisions on things to do. And then you reveal, hey, it's okay. He's not actually Starfleet. He's from the Mirror Universe. That's why. And then you have the show flip the next episode and be like, but the people from this universe can make just as horrific decisions as he does and are going to commit genocide. I have a problem with that. Like, that that undoes everything that they've said by being like, by by. It undoes their work of shifting all of these questionable things to Lorca. I don't... I never got the idea that shifting all the questionable things to Lorca in any way absolved the Federation or had anything to do with the Federation. Okay. He was still a captain. They still didn't stop him from doing all that shit that he was doing. They gave him the leeway they did based on his history, which was his prime universe history. Which didn't have decisions like this. Sure. But they never checked in on him. They gave him... Uh, the Admiral was going to pull his command until he sent her off right, to Right, but this is, this is how many months later and they never checked in? Well, I'm not sure on the timeline. It was, like, it was at least a year later, wasn't it? A, a, what was a year later from what? Um, Like when... Michael was on board. The discovery was a year after the binary stars. Uh, no, it was well. It was six months after her sentencing, which it was longer than that. No. All right, I didn't ever feel like Lorca going evil or whatever. <laughs> like I didn't put that in my head as oh, that makes the Federation good again. If Lorca was a f- like a lot of people, myself included had problems with Lorca acting the way he did if he was a Starfleet-trained officer. Because, like, Burnham's whole speech pointed out the Federation is based on certain values and principles. And you Mm -hmm. don't make someone a captain if their behavior consistently goes against those values and principles. So a lot of people were very confused as to how we have this captain behaving this way. And so when it was like, 
oh, he's actually from the mirror universe. It made sense. The cognitive dissonance left. And then the very next episode, pretty much, you have them reintroducing this cognitive dissonance with this Starfleet Command and Federation Council making a very ethically questionable choice. Well, Cornwell made the choice, right? There's after, there's an after implication s- that Sarek was also talking and like discussing other plans with other people in the Federation. Okay, well, we know that Sarek isn't the best judgment here from the first episode, but um, Cornwell had just watched 80,000 people get blown up, didn't she? Cornwell had just learned that this guy that she used to love was evil and dead for a while and was probably not making the best choices. I think there is a large, large step between making a bad choice and deciding to commit genocide. I think that there is just a very large gap there. I don't know. I mean, I've never been in a war. I would have rather that their plan had been to somehow sacrifice Giorgio because I don't mind them making decisions about acceptable losses. But the wiping out of a homeworld so that they can't wipe out your homeworld first? I will say, at the beginning of this episode, you did make the argument that Kronos was just one world. And that there was lots of Klingons not there. Yes, as a reason for why the Klingons wouldn't stop the war. Yeah. So, that was a thought. I'm sure that that's a thought that they had also. Like, they're, it's not genocide. It's not quite genocide. No, but it is certainly also an extreme number of civilian innocent casualties. I just don't think it's that far off from... Like, I can see how they got there from all the shit that had happened. Maybe Cornwall of nine months ago wouldn't have made this choice. Possibly. And also, I mean, she was talked out of it pretty quickly. Once Michael, you know, made her points. That's true. So it's, she was- it's possible there was some, like, wringing her hands doubt going through her head already, right? Because we didn't see her by herself at all when she had time to reflect on all these things. That's true. But then she was talked into a plan that, again, I think had way too many variables to actually be considered like a well-thought-out plan. Yes, but we can't make that plan work. It just apparently does. Yes. Let's jump from this into a more lighthearted conversation with who do we think the new captain of the Discovery will be and what um, influence do you think seeing the Enterprise will have? Okay. I'm going to... This should be no surprise to anyone listening here. Wait, more important, more important than anything else we've discussed. Do we think Quantum Leap Boy will be on that ship? Scott Bakula? Sure. Because he he played Captain What's-His-Face, right? No. Didn't he? (laughs) No, Captain Pike. It's not played by Scott Bakula. Scott Bakula played Jonathan Archer. Okay, right, right, right. From the thingy. Right, yes. Okay, I'm mixing up my Easter eggs. From the thingy, Look, yes. Okay. I've had some alcohol. Yes, And I'm that's not fine. the best with names at the best of times. No. Um, 
and this is the perfect amount of levity <laughs> to soften my rant now about seeing the Enterprise and referencing Captain Pike and having the original season, the original series and theme play at the end of Discovery, <laughs> because it should, it should come as no surprise to any of our listeners that the original series is not my favorite Star Trek. So did not enjoy. And yes, it was a huge Easter egg. There has been a lot of speculation, though, that Captain Pike might somehow be the next captain on Discovery, which I just don't see as being plausible, just from the little bit I know about Captain Pike and the timeline that's supposed to be there. I don't want that. I want a woman. I would love a woman to be captain. Um... I think it's going to be somebody unknown because they said they're going to Vulcan to get the captain. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping it's not a Vulcan captain. But other than that, I have no idea. I mean, they've suffered massive casualties with the war. Um, Having a woman captain would be cool. Would enjoy that. Mm -hmm. Would, Mm -hmm. you know fit the theme of our show. And yeah. What are your thoughts on it? I I have absolutely no idea. As we just saw with my speaking. I think it would have been a little more tension inducing if they wouldn't have said that we're going to go to Vulcan to pick up your new captain. But had it be like, we are going to go to Vulcan to decide who the new captain will be because then we could at least hold on to the hope that potentially Saru would be the captain. I'm hoping that they don't do a surprise and promote Burnham in season two. I can't see that they would at least not till maybe the end, you know, like I don't think they do that right away. Possibly. I I hope they don't. If the Kelvin timeline and the original series is followed, they do hand out promotions really fast. That's true. Do you, do, what do you think's up with the, or do you have any thoughts on what's up with the Enterprise? Why it's there? I have no idea. Um... I haven't actually watched all of the original series in years. And when Mm -hmm. I did watch it, I didn't like it. And I also have a memory that I called my whiteboard memory, wherein, like, I watch something and I kind of retain the information. And then once I don't need it anymore, I just kind of wipe it clear. So, like, with the original series, me not enjoying it, it was like I didn't go back and rewatch it. It was like I saw it to see it. And a lot of the plots and stuff just haven't stuck in my brain. Uh, Captain Pike was... He has, like, a storyline in the original series that's kind of in the background. And he ends up having, like, a tragic accident befall him. Mm -hmm. But I don't know enough about the timeline to know... Because there's, like, a distress call, right? So I don't know if they're setting up something that is an Easter egg for the original series, or if they're throwing the Enterprise in 
and that's the only Easter egg we're going to get, and it's going to be an entirely different plot and story. I have no idea. If any of our listeners have good speculation on it, let us know. Um, or want to confirm that Archer and Pike are kind of similar names? I guess maybe they are. <laughs> I'll give you that. Archer, Pike, is Pike a weapon? I guess. Pikeman, yeah. Yep. There you go. Sure. <laughs> All right. Range military Let's terms. <laughs> okay. Uh, I guess we're done with fortune cookies. Yep. Do you have a recommendation this week? Um, what would I recommend this week? Um, I'm trying to decide if I should just recommend something I'm currently watching and reading. Or something else. I have mine. You have yours. If you want me to go. You can go yep. first. Okay, so this week I'm going to recommend possibly the most Canadian thing. I could ever recommend, and that is curling. <laughs> awesome. I'm going to go a bit in depth here. Um, I wasn't that into curling until very recently. A friend of mine went to nationals here in Canada with her team, and we were all very proud of her. And Jen, funnily enough, I think this is a friend you've never met because she's always curling during my birthday. I can confirm. I checked some of the tweets you retweeted, and I've never met her. Um... And she's in my D&D group. Oh, okay. Um, so, she and because she was at National, some of her games were on TV, and we were watching a bunch. And just from watching them, I learned a lot. And from asking my friend about stuff that they were doing, um, I learned a lot about the rules and the strategy. And I got really into it. And then, like, as soon as that was done, it was the Olympics. And now I have to stay up till 3 a.m. tonight to watch the gold medal mixed doubles curling game. <laughs> Because I have to. Yes. Time delay for these and highlight reels don't exist in Kate's world. <laughs> um, I enjoy curling as well, actually. We went out to eat this afternoon and curling was on TV and it was uh, it was nice. Was it the mixed doubles? You know what? Uh, the kids were with us, so I couldn't really track. And the TV was like way across the restaurant. But gotcha. it was just like, oh, okay, yeah, the they're showing curling. Because they have, they have slightly different rules that make it kind of interesting. And Oh, I did not know that. So it it's pretty much like chess on ice. Yeah. The way that you take turns going back and forth and how you have to set up your moves and your shots. And uh, like chess on ice, except you can miss your move. Yes. You can plan something and then fail to execute. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen the movie... Men with Brooms? Yes, I have. Okay. Curling movie for anyone not in the know. Yeah. So, sorry to wear my Canadian... Well, I'm not sorry, no. but yeah. There's my Canadianness. Um, It's great. Olympics in general, I love. Well, Winter Olympics. Yeah, I watched some highlights today of uh, the figure skating and ice dancing. Oh, I watched that at a friend's house last night. It was good. We were supposed to, we, she invited us over for dinner and board games, and I was like, well, we're putting on the Olympics, <laughs> and we're going to just pause while Scott and Tessa are on, so. But then they just did the dance that they won nationals with, and I was like, well, I've seen this, but it was still good. Anyways, what's your recommendation, Jen? 
throwing it back to me. Um, my recommendation, okay, so I will recommend what I am currently re-watching right now. Um, aside from Star Trek Discovery, I have been re-watching Agent Carter. Oh, okay. Which has been just a delightful, fun romp. And I'm re-watching it in the middle of a rewatch of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I didn't watch them properly in the timeline. So again, because of my fabulous whiteboard memory before, I had completely forgotten all of the information from Agent Carter that was pertinent to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> when I watched it. So it's kind of nice watching it correctly in, in the correct order because I'm getting all the buildup of the pertinent information before the reveal and agents of shield of the next sort of mm -hmm. phases of it. So during my, I'm going to say third big rewatch of Buffy, mm -hmm. the friend that I was rewatching it with, we also decided to rewatch uh, angel. Well, at least we rewatched angel until it got shit. Um, and we so this was back in the days of rewatching things on DVD, not not Netflix. Right. So we would watch a disc of Buffy and then watch the disc of Angel that would come right afterwards, and then watch a disc of Buffy and watch a disc of Angel, and that was fun. Mm -hmm. uh, related to this, if anybody out there is an Angel fan, um, Chipperish Media just met their latest Patreon goal, where Lonnie and uh, co-host Kelly are going to be doing a podcast about Angel called still dead so if you're a fan check it out i'm actually i've never watched angel so if i have time i might try and watch along with their podcast season one and two are okay mm -hmm. season three and four watch them drunk okay i could do that and or just accept that it's gonna be terrible okay um i watched the season premiere of season three mm -hmm. and then there was a pregnant vampire and i was out <laughs> I was just like, nope, I'm done. But Twilight came. This was years before Twilight. Thank you very much. I know. Um, There's a huge tangent also, I could go down right now, but. Yeah. Um, but then it gets good again in season five. Okay. Also, uh, should note, though, that Joss Whedon uh, punished uh, Charisma Carpenter for getting pregnant. Yes. And basically wrote her out of the show. Yes. I, I already knew that backstory, but Yeah. I didn't really like Cordelia and Angel as a romantic thing anyways, but the actress didn't deserve that, so. No, absolutely not. Anyways, that's my thoughts on that. Okay. Now we're into the great unknown going forward. Yes. Yes, we are. Our show will change. Yes, so. But we figured that's better than no show at all. That's right. So what to expect in the hiatus? We're not 100% certain. Uh, we have a couple of people in mind to be doing some guest episodes about Star Trek Discovery. And we have a couple of things in mind for doing some other um, movies, probably most likely. I don't know mm -hmm. that we'll jump into any TV show just because of the long time commitment that would be involved in watching multiple seasons of something while we're on hiatus from Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. We're going to try to keep it things with women. Yes. Obviously. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to try to keep it sci-fi. Mm -hmm. And we're going to do some Star Trek. We're going to watch some other Star Trek-y stuff. Mm -hmm. 
And, and Kate's going to make me watch not Star Trek. Yeah, I'm going to the our first non Star Trek episode is me forcing Jen to watch something because this whole podcast is her forcing me to watch something. So I thought that was only fair. I'm casting the word forcing in air quotes here since Kate is the one who asked me about being my co-host. Just so we're clear on that. <laughs> this is me <laughs> to be forcing fair, her. If you if you hadn't if we hadn't done the podcast, I probably wouldn't have gotten around to watching this. Well, that's fair. Not because I wouldn't have wanted to, but because I, I very seldom get around to watching anything. Yeah. Uh, TV-wise. Okay. So, thank you for listening. If you have any questions or comments you would like to share with us, we love to hear from our listeners. You can email us at own at gmail.com or you can tweet at us at commandofherown on Twitter. Or you can follow our Instagram account, which I forgot to put in the show notes. Yes. Again. <laughs> yep so this has been jen um actually i was just gonna jump in one of our off-season episodes we are just gonna talk about nerdy things that we like um mostly because we always get off on tangents yes as, as this episode has been a good uh, uh example of there we go example is the word <laughs> i was going for so if there's anything that we've briefly mentioned that you wanted to know more about or know why we like it, uh, let us know. That's right, yeah. Good point. And, uh... You've been Jen, and <laughs> I've been Caitlin. <laughs> it is very late at night for Jen, so <laughs> goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. And we don't need to talk about how much Caitlin cannot do subtraction. As the editor, you get to just paint yourself in the best possible picture. That's true. I'll cut most of that out.